0: Podcast Featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis.
1: Welcome everybody to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast presented by Alpine Star Protection as well as the uh, folks at Maxis. Thank you for listening. Flyracing.com. Please check them out official gear of blake baggett and pike and the seven deuce deuce and zach osborne and many more flyracing.com has got what you need 2018 and a half kinetic mesh out now also too, maxis tires mxst is coming out soon that is developed by none other than the king jeremy mcgrath maxis.com whether you want tires for your truck your mountain bike your dirt bike your quad whatever maxis tires got you covered and alpine stars love these guys love this company um uh, great guys! Whether it's the Tech Seven that I wear, the Tech Ten, which is the benchmark booted motocross, or the A Four chest protector with front and back protection that goes underneath your jersey, Alpine Star protects. Uh, thank you for pe- thank you everybody for listening. Something we uh, something different today for the podcast. Something we wanted to do to complement a story that uh, myself and Davy Coombs did in Racer X magazine and on Racer X online out today, April tenth, on. Uh, a can't-miss kid who, who missed, Eddie Hicks, a factory Yamaha rider. And a very interesting story. And uh, to talk more about that and the story itself and Eddie and everything else, this is Davey Coombs. What's up, D.C.? How are you?
0: Good, good. Uh, congratulations. Uh, I uh, feel like I was uh, just on the podium with you on this one, Steve. You, uh, you got it up and running, and uh, it was a fascinating story that, you know, as, as someone who grew up in the 80s, Man, I always wondered what the hell happened to right. he <laughs> right. and uh, and when you came uh through and talked to Chase and Andrew about like you know pursuing this and, yeah. and, and tracking him down, uh it brought back a lot of really good memories for me and also some questions and yeah. uh you know I had a kind of a, a, a closer seat to it i think than than you did uh in that I was just getting into being a journalist and and uh just getting ready to go to college. Uh, my own mini cycle days were behind me, but man, yeah. we were all just fascinated by this kid they called Wander and and, um, and and that's kind of where it started. Yeah, you uh, Lachine put you into
1: the moto journalism side of things at Loretta's, right? <laughs>
0: right. He put <laughs> the dogger put me in college. Right, uh, right. Not 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 by tuition. Right. Uh, not by giving me a scholarship, but by giving me a long hard lesson on the motocross track. Along with you know Eddie Warren and Keith Bone and some of those other guys that, that also you know kind of grew up as as, as, yeah. as prodigies, uh, but but you know really it, it was it, it was never quite the same as you know for those guys uh, is what it was for Eddie because Eddie was just sort of this meteoric talent mm-hmm. that all of a sudden you start hearing about in 1983 and by 1984 it was a sort of a fait complete that he was going to be the next Bob Hannon or something. And uh, I actually got to see Eddie Race for the first time in in 1984 at Loretta Lens. Mm-hmm. Didn't lose a moto. Looked amazing on both a stock and modified bike. And yeah. uh, I can remember thinking, huh, that kid is as good as they say.
1: Right. And, and to, to, for people who want to know what I came from, I – got a stack of old magazines behind my podcast desk. I was flipping through them one day. I think it was an MXA. They they pulled all the riders, I think in 85. Um 1985 on Jeff Ward, RJ Johnny L. Who is going to be the next great moto superstar? It was like a list issue, right? They had all these lists. And uh and, and almost well, I want to say 5 or 6 out of the 10 had Eddie Hicks number 1 on their list. And I'm like, "Eddie Hicks? Like what happened to that dude?" And yeah. and I'm like, "Okay." Well, I got to let's do a story on that. I'm like Chase and I had talked about doing longer stories for the web. And I'm like I got to I got to find Eddie Hicks. And the first guy that I thought of was Kyle Lewis because I'd spoken to Kyle about Eddie. Kyle's a high desert guy and I know him well and I texted Kyle and said, "What about Eddie Hicks?" And he's like, "Yeah, I don't know. I I don't have a number. I don't know anything about him anymore. You know, obviously he was a, he was amazing on a bike and he got me the name uh, for Dave Hem, Hamm, Ricky Hem's brother, the late Rick Hamm. Uh and that's who got me Eddie Hicks's phone number. It was a, it was a really, yeah. really neat story to try to get a hold of Eddie Hicks:
0: yeah, and, and, and something of a mystery because in, in the social media world that we live in where everyone you know it's not six degrees of separation, it's more like four clicks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he, he was He was not easy to find, I know, and you know, mentioning Kyle Lewis. Puts it into perspective of the other people who were around and on the rise when everyone picked Eddie Hicks, and, and that would be guys like Bob Moore, who's now in the AMA Motorcycle Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. Ty Davis, Motorcycle Hall of Fame, Mike Kudrowski, Motorcycle Hall of Fame, yeah, uh, you know, Sean Kalos, Jimmy Button. Uh, you know, there was just all kinds of really fast kids that kind of came along and. You know, I, mean, I hate to say it, but in, in 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 the void that was left after that that tragic accident, in Ponca City in 1982, that that Brett Smith wrote that amazing story about for for Meta, uh of the darkest day in motocross when when Rick Hamm and Kyle Fleming and and uh, Bruce Bunch were all killed in that train crash, and uh, you know that was sort of a a real turning point, I think, in in American motocross racing and also in American minicycle because there was there was always like a guy. Mm-hmm. There was there was a there was a Gene McKay and there was a Jeff Ward. Right. And there was a Brian Myers cop and there was a George Holland. But all of a sudden in eighty two you had a bunch of kids that were coming up and you know, that, that, that train accident happened in Ponca City and and it seemed like, you know, all of a sudden everyone pointed to the next guy and that it, ironically, it was it was Rick Hem's best friend, Eddie Hicks.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a real interesting thing. So, I'm starting to work on this story to give people a bit of a backline. I'm starting to work on this story, and Eddie's proving hard to get a hold of. But but Bruce Sternstrom, I, I, somehow I don't even remember. I didn't even. I forgot Bruce was head of Team Green, and somehow it came up. And Bruce was like, "Yeah, I was there." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, you're another guy." So now I got. Kyle Lewis, and now I got Bruce Sternstrom, and and I knew I had to get Dave Miller, who I got a phone number through from Doug Dubach, got me Dave Miller's phone number, who built the awesome DMC bike, and then somewhere along the line, Davey, you called and said, "Hey, I was there, and I I, I was there, like I was in Canada. I was not. I was uh, younger than Eddie, and you're like, I'd love to, you know, uh, contribute to this and help this out. And of course, you did a great job." And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, no, 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 nothing like somebody who was on the infield in '84 when Eddie swept every moto of stock and mod in '85, in '80s, and and you know, it was that was it. He was on his way.
0: Yeah, and, and that was the thing. He, you know, Lenz was three years old at the time, but but '84 is the year that it really began to sort of hit its critical mass because, you know, with the help of guys like Ron Lachine and Bob Moore, who came from the west coast Mm -hmm. to to ride in it by 84 already it was a sort of a must attend event and um, eddie was out there with guys uh that that um you know he he was he was right behind mike healy bob moore uh, uh, Bader, Maney, that 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 Brooks. group of guys—Brooks, Warren, right, right Larry Brooks—yep, Brooks, yep. yeah. That, that, that um had all just kind of moved up, and and they, they they it wasn't a lack of competition. It was almost like they couldn't wait to move up. Uh, it was you know yeah. it was like sort of a clear the deck sort of thing because cause and I think it was uh, I think it was Bob Moore said that when when when. When the the Hicks family van pulled in and they unloaded that DMC <laughs> yeah. YZ80, he said, "Man, we were, we were all we knew we were racing for second place, you know." And and um, which which makes those me guys,
1: which, it makes makes me think, Davy, though, and you were there again. Maybe it was the bike that, that people bought into. Oh no
0: it. no 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 no! And he had to ride the the eighty four YZ80 was a dog. Right, it was not a very good bike at all. He rode a stock bike dead stock. And back then the Loretta Lenz you couldn't even cut the chain shaft guard out to, to you know <laughs> right. Yeah. You you not do you had to run stock grips. I mean so he was riding a pile and if you remember he also rode the world mini G P that year in the Kawasaki race of champions. Yeah, yeah. So he hopped on a he hopped on a KX eighty and, and beat everyone. Uh, a bike that he never rode and, and it was a completely standard bike. So I don't think it was the bike at all. I, I do think that the bike may have uh, given him an artificial mm-hmm. uh, aura. It might have, you know, because cause the bike was every bit as exotic as Johnny O'Mara's, you know, Mugen yeah. Honda was yeah, a few yeah. years earlier. The, the the unicorn bike we call it. Um, but but with Eddie, you know, he he. I personally think that that, that had he waited one more year in amateurs. Mm-hmm we would have a completely different story but i think what happened was you know he he was so dominant on that 80 but he couldn't wait to get on a 125 so he could get right back after the guys he used to beat yeah and those guys by 85 were all winning 125 supercross races because that was that was the other big thing that changed that no one really you know for for like what a what a what a huge impact it would have is the, the development of the 125 class in 1985. And Larry Brooks was winning, uh, Donnie Schmidt, uh, uh, Todd, Todd Campbell, uh, Mike Healy, Bob Moore. All those guys were guys that Eddie Hicks was racing the year before in the 80s and beating.
1: Yeah. Uh, something that you can probably speak to more than I could. I, so I talked to Bruce Sternstrom, who was the head of Team Green back then. Of course, now he's the head of all Kawasaki racing. And Bruce gave me a comment about, "Hey, you got to remember, back then these guys were superstars. These eighty riders, they were, they were, they were rock stars. They were. It was. It went from eighties to you know national pros. That was the gap, right? That was nobody followed yeah, there, anything there else. Was,
0: there was no stepping stone. No, and, and a lot of a lot of these things sort of kind of meshed together, sort of like or or like sort of overlapped. there was there was the the, the development or the birth of." Amateur motocross as we know it, uh, or at least amateur support as we know it, with Team Green in 1982, you had Loretta Lynn's come on to start to sort of challenge Ponca City. You had uh, High Torque Publications was putting out Minicycle Magazine. Yeah. And, and and even the Supercross promoter at the time, which was uh, Mike Goodwin and, and the Mickey Thompson group, they were putting 80cc races in the middle of the California Supercrosses. Yeah. So I distinctly remember the '84 Anaheim Supercross—the first time my family ever went to California. We drove out in the van mm-hmm. and watched the Supercross. They had an 80 race, and it was Eddie Hicks, Mike Healy, Bob Moore. Um, I, I, I'd heard of these guys and said yeah. their names in cycle news, but I was, you know, flabbergasted that, you know, and I, I think that that was part of the reason my dad got the idea. For, for 125 right, right right supercross class because because at that time, to your point, if you were you know perfect example uh Brock lover Brock lover comes up as a as a teenager in nineteen seventy five he doesn't race supercross for years they yamaha yeah. keeps him as a one twenty five pro in mm-hmm. the one twenty five class uh almost entirely till nineteen seventy nine and yeah. by that point he was. He was considered the fastest 125 rider in the world, but you had to go from an 80 to the 250 class <laughs> right. to race supercross. Think about that. 16, <laughs> right. think 17 about years that. old, and, and when you think about it, the only guy who ever really successfully and immediately made that leap uh, before the 125 class was Ron Lachine.
1: Was your guy? You're, you're the guy that put you in yeah, the dagger. <laughs>
0: right. And you know, yeah, his 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 first pro races. He was getting top tens in supercross main events and uh which is just crazy when you think about it, because now yeah. you know, we have such a such a layered structured thing that no one goes from an eighty to two fifty supercross um, yeah <laughs> but, but it is conceivable to go from an eighty to one twenty five supercross, which is kind of what James Stewart did uh Damon Bradshaw did, but those guys did a year at Lorena Lenz on a one twenty five yeah. Hicks won in 84, and by the summer of 85, he was ready to go race Supercross. Yeah,
1: he absolutely he was. You really did a great job. So I got that quote from Bruce about these guys being rock stars. And in the story, you fleshed that out more with, like, you You dropped the 84 Anaheim halftime show, which I had nothing didn't know anything about. You dropped in some magazines where that Eddie was on the cover of when he's 15. He's on the cover of these minicycle magazines. Like, I, that was kind yeah, of was, stuff, yeah.
0: yeah. Not only was he on the cover of... He was on the cover on two different motorcycles <laughs> right. because he was he was such a big deal. Like no one, he couldn't Yamaha could not stop him from testing KX80s for the magazine. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but then again, they have Mike Healy, you know, riding a Suzuki, a Honda, and a KX82. It's just it was a different time back then, and that would all really begin to change with Bradshaw, who would ultimately take Eddie's place in the. Yamaha lineup of, yeah. of uh, you know... Back then, Kawasaki had an army of of kids on Team Green Bikes. Yamaha, which didn't have the budget or, you know, really the, the, the same vision, would only have one or two guys. Yeah. They'd have, like, you know, uh, Eddie Hicks, Ron Tishner, uh, maybe Bob Moore. Uh, then it would yeah. go to Bradshaw, and then mm-hmm. it would go to Lowell Thompson or, you know, whoever. Yeah. And, and it was Bradshaw who really... Became you know the big you know yeah. the, the guy that the next hey, guy yeah yeah was not going to be uh, uh, you know riding anything but a Yamaha for a very long time. That wasn't going to put on you know Thor gear to be part of the all Thor sponsored Kawasaki race of champions. Uh, yeah, you said, really Bradshaw, kind
1: of, you said Bradshaw ruined the Kawasaki race of champions. I did not know that he just refused to yeah, ride a cow.
0: Bradshaw, Bradshaw, by 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 eighty seven and eighty eight, Bradshaw, uh, and, and with the help of uh, you know very very astute pickup by Pete Fox, who had just started kind of doing the amateur support for Fox Racing for his dad and his family. Pete was the one who said, we've got to get this Bradshaw kid. I think yeah. he saw him at the World Mini, which at that time was uh, still taking place at Saddleback. And then he saw him at uh, when it moved out to Vegas and, mm-hmm. and, and thought, you know, he's he's the next guy. And uh, by the time Bradshaw, you know, was ready to turn pro mm-hmm. at 16, he was already, you know, making probably $50,000 from Yamaha, from gear, from, from tires, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. And, uh, <clears throat> Um, and so he wasn't going to ride the world mini GP's race of <laughs> champions unless he was going to do it in his own gear and on his own bike.
1: Yeah, which is uh, which is funny. And ironically, Sternstrom, again, he's like, you should talk to Mike Chavez. And I'm like, why? He's like, because Chavez worked for Eddie Hicks. And I'm like, what? And, Eddie, and Mike Chavez works at Kawasaki now. And Mike Chavez worked for Damon Bradshaw. This is just a great—this yeah. is all working out so fantastic for the story. Uh, Mike was—Eddie spoke very highly of Mike. When I finally got a hold of Eddie, he, he spoke very highly of Mike. Well, and, but, but, and, you know. Yeah,
0: but before you get there, I think it's important to to explain that 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 Yamaha at this time had begun establishing with Bob Hanna in 1976, followed immediately by Brock Glover— uh, you know this 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 line of champions, and then it was Ricky Johnson, and then it was Ron Lachine, where they 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 really put a lot of emphasis on one rider, and 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 you've heard of those names: mm-hmm. Anna Glover, Johnson, Lachine. Hicks was like the next guy after Ronnie uh, in in eighty four, eighty five. That they thought by eighty six would be. Racing and winning 250 Supercross races, and and so they they gave him a full time mechanic, uh, and Mike Chavez, who was quite literally worked directly for the factory, but was working on a YZ80 the whole time, and that became problematic because Eddie had already established a personal friendship uh, and working relationship with Dave Miller, and Dave Miller quite honestly, built a better 80 than the Yamaha factory yep. could. Yeah, <laughs> and, yep. it, and it, and that that sort of began the rub, I think. And whenever things went sideways and Eddie got on a 125 and, you know, they, they turned around and they moved Chavez to the next guy. And that next guy was Damon be, Bradshaw, yeah. you know, and, and, and again, you know, it's sort of the sixth guy in yeah. line. You've heard of him. You've um, heard of Damon Bradshaw.
1: And, and, and I think, that you and I did a good job. Like, this is a, a really interesting list. Early on in the article, I wrote about six names and said, look, these six guys were the can't-miss 80 riders I- in history, and one of them missed, Eddie Hicks. They all won races. They all made a lot of money. Uh, they, all, they almost all won titles. But you added some names to it. And a- anyways, the, the, the final list is Jeff Ward, Brian Myerscoff, George Holland, Eric Kehoe, Eddie Hicks, Bradshaw, Swink, Renard, Wyndham, Ricky, James Stewart, Michael Lessy, and I think without a doubt, which which we said in the article, that is a chronological list of guys who were amazing mini bike riders, and everyone had pegged for future success, and every single one of those guys on that list won a national or were some of the all time greats, except for Eddie. And and I I read that back to Eddie. I said, Hey, this is kind of what we're. My list wasn't as complete. You added some guys that were you know before my time, and and. and I read this list back to Eddie, and he's like, "Huh, yeah, yeah." I think about that sometimes, and it was a yeah, r- yeah. real sobering moment. You know, it was. I mean, those that's Eddie's on that list. He belongs there, and he never made it happen.
0: Yeah, he 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 absolutely does, and you know, and there there are other guys that that you could add, and obviously the the tragedy we already spoke about of, of Ponca City, and 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 guys who kind of were 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 kind of late bloomers. Uh, that that no one could have seen coming, like like a Doug Henry, a Jeremy Jeremy McGrath is, yeah. you know the the ultimate uh, Steve Lampson, uh, Mike Kedrowski. Um but they, they they were they were they were they became really good. Eddie Hicks was was at the level that right now mm-hmm. we would look at a Austin Forkner as you yeah. know yeah. like like he was he was he was already you know being talked about like where was he going to fit in on Team Yamaha, you know, when when and, and this is when Team Yamaha still had Rick Johnson and Brock Glover. Uh and and right before Ron Lachine, you know, left for Honda. Or uh, Dogger had just left for Honda in eighty four, I should yeah, say. Yep. And but but, but R J uh, Bowen, Glover, you know yep. and this is a kid on an eighty. Not 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 a kid <laughs> yeah. that's out there winning the yeah. one twenty five pro class at Mammoth Mountain or or, or cleaning up but uh, you know, the Baja Brawl or whatever. I mean, he was just an 80 rider who, who you know, looked for all intents and purposes like Bob Hanna uh, only 10 years later or like Ryan Villapoto only 20 years earlier.
1: And how about the Cycle News ads, two-page ads, a ton of them you and I dug up just talking about Eddie Hicks, just, just talking about him from 80s to, to 125s to Dominating and and here and there is, is phenomenal the, yeah. the the resources that Yamaha was putting behind yeah. him and, and touting him.
0: Well, b- b- before you get to the, the the that first call and how you found Eddie and everything like that, you know, back to to that time, uh, Yamaha bet big mm-hmm. on, on, on on Eddie Hicks. And, and and there's a cautionary tale on there that, that I, I don't think we've seen a manufacturer since lean so heavily on one athlete uh, unless, uh, you know, I, I hate to say it, but I think that there's still some animosity between Mike Alessi and Tony Alessi and American Honda that mm-hmm. goes back to 2004, you know, by then, american honda most of their budget for amateur racing went to the alessi brothers they they were grooming mike and jeff to to be this like one two punch and by all for all intents and purposes they 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 should have been and to a large degree mike you know was much more successful than Eddie hicks but uh you know they they put all their eggs into that one basket and then you know at the last second you know they decided to go ride orange bikes and it, it really left a bad taste in, in Honda's mouth. Well, I think that's kind of where Yamaha was in, in, in 80, 85, 85 when, yeah. when, yeah, when, when they're, 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 they're bringing Hicks along and, but it's not happening fast enough for Eddie. It's not happening fast enough for Eddie's dad. They want to go pro. They want to go right now. And, and, you know, Eddie Hicks's last amateur race, was the the World Mini GP, uh, which in 1985 took place, I want to say, May 11th. Yeah. Well, on, on May 25th, he rides his first pro national and leads it. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> unbelievable.
1: Well, yeah, get, got fifth overall in Vegas, his first ever national. Like, the bike wasn't very good. We've talked about that, the 85 YZ125, not a good bike. But and,
0: is, and, and that was the last year for Work Spikes. Yeah. He was racing against work spikes that the other guys yeah. had.
1: Race tech suspension and engines, people. X 18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, race tech specializing in high performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Racetech. Guys like the HEP Suzuki team and many more in the pits. Use Racetech for their suspension and engines mods. Poppamex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, Racetech.com.
0: Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxis, delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath.
1: Well, let me back up a little bit. How much do you think, Davey, and and Bob Moore got into this? I didn't use all of Bobby's stuff. Great conversation. Bob Bob's a really good guy, as you know, and Bob got into it a little deeper. I didn't use all of it because I didn't quite have what I needed from Eddie. He's reluctant to go there. But the fathers of these guys, and, and Bob Moore kind of had, like, said, hey, this is the times we were in. These are the times we lived in. My dad also wasn't very happy with me, um, you know, when I didn't do well. He was spending a lot of money. And Bob Moore was kind of matter-of-factly. And Eddie spoke about his father and and, and kind of – how rough he was on them, and a lot of people told me the dad was was well known in the pits, you know, and and got angry at times.
0: It was a well, different time. He,
1: it was a different time. It, right it
0: was it, it, it was a different time. You know, we we all we all call them mini bike dads for a reason, mm-hmm. and they've always been there, you know, and 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 it goes back to the the Beatles of mini bike dads, Papa Jones um Gary and, and Dwayne Jones's dad before there was a pro motocross and in an in American motocross industry was a was a taskmaster with his boys mm-hmm. and uh, you know we saw that later on I mean uh the 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 everyone from Kyle Lewis to um uh Randy Bradshaw uh to to um you know Mr uh Mr. Bogart, you know, okay, there, yep, yep. There, there's just there's just lots and lots of dads that that you know are kind of you know notorious. You know, we we can we can talk about the, how how charged it was between Tony Alessi and mm-hmm. and Dave Millsaps, Mr. Millsaps, but it's always been like that. It's just. A lot of times back then, it was focused on the kids. Mm-hmm. And anyone who's seen the movie "The Bad News Bears" <laughs> yeah. and see what happens to the kid that's the pitcher uh, for the other team—that's yeah. kind of the way some of those dads treated those kids back then. Yeah. And there was really nothing you could do about it. And I I remember one year, um, uh, Smith uh, Butch Smith's oh yeah, but, yeah uh dad. Yep. Yeah. They, I think they called him Snuffy. Snowy but, Snow- Butch uh, Snowy. Snowy, Snowy. Butch Smith crashed at the finish line at Loretta Lynn's with, like, the white flag out uh, and had a broken leg. His dad ran across the track and was screaming at him to get up yeah. and, and pick, picked the bike up. And my dad was standing there and said, Smitty or Snowy you're disqualified and that kid needs a doctor <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 he didn't know that the, the poor kid had a broken leg he was just he was yeah. caught up in the moment yeah. you know and 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 this is before it got to be the really high dollar stuff that minicycle racing you know and amateur racing is, you know for better or for worse sort of manifested into yeah. the dads were a big big part of it and and uh you know we've seen that with you know Brian Villapoto's dad we've seen it with Ryan Dungey's dad. It's it's when you invest so much time and money into a child's career, and, and they're on the cusp of, of of really making it big, you can get pretty emotional when when things go wrong or, or they're not giving it their all, or yeah, you 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 know. Well, that's the nature of any sport, but the difference is in motocross. You know, you don't have to sit in the stands at a high school football game. You can go down and be in the mechanics area. You could be the mechanic. You could be the team manager. You could be in the the winner circle. You can be in the cool down area. Mm-hmm. You can yell and yell at your kid in front of anyone. You do that in a high school football game, the high school football coach is going to fill you out. Yeah, and uh, that's that's what happens when you know motocross is not a scholastic sport. No matter. Uh, how you might want to skin it or or change it. And I, I imagine the same goes for go-karting. I imagine the yeah, same yeah, goes NASCAR, for golf,
1: yeah, yeah, tennis, yeah, anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got a sense of real... I, Eddie said him and his dad, George, they communicate. He said that if... Uh, it's something that didn't make the story, but he said, like, if I were to talk to him, me, I would get along nicely with him. But he said him and George are just kind of a bit like oil and water. You know? Um, some resentment yeah. there, I think, on both sides. Like, Eddie said that... He put up some memories of his racing on Facebook page, and the dad, George, said, uh, "Why you, why you living in the past? You've Got to let that stuff go, or whatever." And, and Eddie was like, "That's just him. Like, it, I sense some some difficult times between father and son."
0: Yeah. Well, any, anyone listening to this uh, should go check out um, Eddie Hicks on Facebook because you're right. There are two photos of him. Yeah. Uh, the last I checked, and they were on that DMC bike. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the, you, you know, I, I could sense and, you know, I personally did not get to talk to Eddie, you know, like you did. I, I never asked you how, how, what was that very first conversation like and who ultimately gave you the phone number?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I got the number from, from Dave Hem, like I was telling from, from Lewis. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, Rick's, Rick's older uh, brother.
1: Yeah. Rick's older brother. He said he hadn't talked to Eddie for a long time. And honestly, Eddie was a hard guy to get a hold of. I was texting and he would kind of reply and then he would go days without replying. And then I was kind of, like, I called him a few times. It didn't really ring, it ring, ring through, it would just shut off automatically. And I was like, well, I can't do the story without talking to Eddie. And, eventually he kind of apologized came around said he'd give me some time and still didn't really follow through when he said he was but we did end up talking he told me um i actually kind of had to gain his trust a bit davy so he told me about you know yeah my son has a bike and he rides josh and he he blew it up and uh, i don't have the money to fix it and uh i was like okay all right well that's that's too bad and everything else and so we talked a little bit and then he said he had to go and i didn't quite have everything i needed but in the meantime i called uh uh, james at vertex pistons who uh who sponsors the pulp show and i got eddie's kid a complete top end kit for his kx80 and said eddie give me your address uh i'm gonna fix this bike for you this top end and get you the parts and uh so i sent on the parts and then he got a little better with me, Davey. After that, I think, I think he was like, "Oh, cool," you know. I'm like, "Yeah, man, just trying to help you out. Just trying to help you know your kid ride, and and it's no skin off off my back at all. It's it's not you know nothing, no big deal." And um, so you know, he opened up a little bit more after that.
0: So that's that's, that's cool that you would you would help him, and and I, I I could tell you, I I I know what that means because to this day I'm still friends with Dean Dickinson uh, yep. from from R and D Racing, and back in 1980. Uh, he, his dad Rudy, uh, his his uh, late great father, who was mm-hmm. you know built all those great Suzuki yeah. minibikes, for you know from from Brian Myerskoff to, to to you know George Holland, and them uh, sent me a piston and rings uh, and a top end for for uh, the AMA amateur nationals, and I I always remember that. So, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a. The magic thing must be when you get someone on a fresh hot yeah,
1: Exactly, right? <laughs> so he, he opened up a little bit. I said, you know, he said he's gone through some rough times. He works at Walmart in Florida, about an hour outside of Tampa. He said he kind of had to get out of California. He never dug, I tried to dig a little bit as to what was going on. He never really, you know, came clear. and That's fine. It wasn't a major part of the story. But he said he had to leave California to to get, you know, kind of clean up a little bit and get his life in order. And. So he's in Florida, and uh, I said, Well, you know, I read him that list of names, and I said, How often do you do you think about what could have been and some of the m- mistakes you made or decisions that made? And he's like, Yeah, more and more as I get older, I think about it for sure. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay, you know, I don't, you know, yeah, I don't want to bum you out or anything, but what, you know? And, and then he kind of said, really boiled down to, and and this was backed up by Dave Miller and it was backed up by Bruce Sternstrom. Eddie said he should have stayed down longer. He had an offer from Suzuki. Bruce said they made him a really good offer from Kawasaki to ride 80s another year, but Eddie Eddie said he wanted to move up. It was all on him. He wanted to make some money. He said and and become a pro. And Dave Miller, Bruce Sternstrom, they're all like, eh, another year would have done done him well.
0: Yeah, well hindsight's hindsight's twenty twenty. Yep. You know. Yep. For sure. Uh, you know, if 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 uh, Jane Stewart had held back a year. Uh, I, I, mean, he, he didn't have to. Yeah. Damon Bradshaw. Yeah. Damon Bradshaw got third in the first pro race he ever rode yeah. in the 250 <laughs> class. You know, yeah. uh, which was uh, you know San Diego in '89. Uh, some guys could do it, but I, I do think that that um, given how quickly things were progressing mm-hmm. in '85 with the the advent of the 125 class. The the Yamaha not quite being up to snuff yep, to yep. the other the other three bikes uh, and and Eddie being uh, a little too overzealous to to move up uh, you, you see it all the time but you see it mostly in other sports like a kid plays you know really good freshman year college quarterback and yeah. or college basketball and turns pro and and then you never hear that name. Yeah. Again, yeah. For
1: every Garnett, for every Garnett and Kobe that make it from high school or LeBron, there's, oh, there's,
0: a, yeah, there's, there's a, and their gymnasiums full of people <laughs> that you, yeah. you'll never hear from, and and uh, you know, but, but yeah, it, 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 in motocross, you know, there is, you know, now at least a, a well trod path that gets you, you know, from from mm-hmm. uh, the that basket on the '60s or the '80s you know, up to where you're, you're on the starting gate at Anaheim and, and, and Hicks uh, tried to speed that process up uh, An untimely, you know, wrist injury sets them back a yeah. little bit. The bike isn't so good. That sets them back a little bit. And then all of a sudden the most important thing that you have is a 16 year old kid confidence. When that goes away, then, yeah. you know, that that's sort of what happens. And, you know, Whenever we were kind of getting this all pulled together, mm-hmm. and I remembered, I, I kept thinking, "I know, I remember." There was a 125 Supercross that featured him. Okay, you could really see him for a little while. And remember those those five DVD packs that you could buy? That was like uh, yeah, the world's greatest. Of Supercross.
1: The world's greatest yeah, Supercrosses. Yes,
0: yes. Well, if you if you go online and I anyone can Google this on YouTube, go to the 1985 Rose Bowl Supercross. The the Rose Bowl Supercross coverage uh, from '85 features the 125 class that's ultimately won by Larry Brooks, yep. and it is Eddie Hicks's first Supercross. Yep, and uh, he ends up getting third. Yeah, and when you watch him riding. Man, he looks like Ryan Villapoto in two thousand and six.
1: Yeah, he's he looks a shorter guy. Like yeah, he's shorter guy.
0: Shorter yeah. guy standing standing on the balls of his feet, uh, almost lifting the bike. Like seems like he could jump higher than anyone, just given how small and sprite he was. And he just he he he, he looks like a little kid on a big yeah. bike, <laughs> and, and it's kind of uh, well. Also, it's all right there.
1: To be clear, like after, like you said, like he turned pro after the World Mini or in May, he got fifth at his first ever national in Vegas. He was leading for a bit. He got third in Pasadena, which is what you just said. He got uh, ninth at Washougal, his second, his third ever national. Uh, that's three, uh, one podium and two top tens in his three out of the first four pro races. And it kind of goes south in '86 for him. Um, it, it, things are not right at home. I guess he hurts his wrist, like you would said. But then Eddie has a second coming, and this is where I was kind of surprised, how, and you saw how talented he was. He gets dropped by Yamaha. Things are going terribly for him. Uh, the bike's not very good. Yamaha kind of pulls most of its support for 86 and kind of puts him on on his own with a little bit of support, but not as much as he had. So Eddie, gets, Eddie leaves Yamaha, and in 87 he gets Kawasaki ride from Mark Johnson, and, and he gets eighth of the opening round which good finish for him, 125 Supercross. He, he gets uh, some modifications done by Dave Miller, his old friend, on a Kawasaki. He gets third at Houston. He gets second in San Diego, which you go into great detail in the story. That's Kyle Lewis's first ever Supercross win, and Eddie was second behind him. Eddie Holshot, Kyle passed him. So Eddie's gone 8-3-2 at the first three rounds in 87 on the West Coast. This is great. This is awesome riding. He's national number 42. And then it kind of goes south. He hurts, his, he hurts his wrist again in Seattle. He said him and his dad got into a big fight when the pits were indoors in the Kingdome there. And he's never the same after that. And Eddie had a brief second wind going eight three two in 87 and was on the right path.
0: Yeah, and, 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 but, but you said something there, and I think it, it deserves to be sort of fleshed out a little bit. The fight that he got into his father got into with his father at the kingdom back then the pits were not underneath in the, in the, in the, 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 uh, the corridors, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you have indoor pitting, uh, sometimes everyone you know, brings their stuff in and you kind of get down in the tunnels or whatever. As part of the show, they had the riders pit behind the starting gate. They did this at Pontiac, they did this. It's Seattle. Mm-hmm. It, 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 you know, no one had big semis, and no one had anything to hide. They thought it'd be cool to like have the riders yeah. sitting behind the starting gate with lawn chairs and and their their uh, bike on a crate and whatever. And it didn't matter if you were Bob Hanna or Eddie Hicks and uh, uh, Hicks and his dad get into a, a an altercation, uh, a, a verbal one, but but but. It that, we,
1: kinda, that we know that, of. That, it, it didn't... It yeah, didn't yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah,
0: and I wasn't there, but... No. It, you know, it, it, that's the tipping point. And, yeah. and why... Who, who knows? You know, if you could be a, a fly on the wall, and apparently there were 50,000 of them on that wall because it was right in front of everyone. Uh, it was enough to alienate the father forever from the racing scene, and, and Eddie's off on his own, and, and, he, and he does the best he can on his own. But by that point... Yeah. His confidence is gone. Uh his 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 reputation is kind of shot and you know, it's yeah. it's it's a different it's a it's a different existence for Eddie Hicks from then on.
1: Yeah, and and Bob Moore's winning a world title shortly later or and Mike Healy's winning. Kyle Lewis has gone on to a great successful pro career. Jeff Matasevich, who he was beating in a ton of Golden States that I that I saw on Cycle News. Jeff Metasevich was one year away from dominating the one twenty five West Coast and and Eddie had him had him covered for the most part so yeah it was really really a flip of a of a switch there for for him
0: yeah and 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 I think anyone who 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 reads it not only the the the, the excerpt in the magazine but but also the the, the full blown 10,000 8,000 word deal yeah, yeah. whatever it is uh it, it it it's a it's a it's truly a cautionary tale but I think that a lot of people will take a lot of things away from it as to why the can't-miss kid, the wonder boy, missed. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and it could be any one of those things that we just talked about.
1: Yeah, well, it was a lot of fun doing it. I'm glad I now know. You know, talk to Eddie. We still text a little bit here and there. His phone went silent. He went off the grid. I got him tickets for Tampa, thanks to Christina, Christina Denny at Trader. I got him passes for Tampa Supercross. Eddie came out with his son. And then he disappeared again. Uh, his phone was shut off for probably a month. Uh, I've since he's since got his phone back. Uh, I've texted with him a little bit, but um, yeah, hopefully he he you know he finds what he needs and, and gets straightened out and, and you know keep on supporting his son and, and and all that. He seems like a really good guy. He seemed like a great guy. He was stoked to be back in Tampa, uh, and he he walked around the pits a little bit and said he connected with some people that he he knew from back in the day. So yeah, it was. It was good. I'm glad. Uh, thanks for your help on it, DC. It was it was great.
0: I hey, I, I, I enjoyed it. You know, it's the proverbial stroll down memory lane, and and you know, I I think that uh, I think it's a must read uh, for for anyone from that era, anyone who was a fan of that era, or anyone who thinks they have a a, a, a hot shot uh, prospect or was a hot shot project <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah I mean there's
0: a, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of layers here and uh you know I it's a it's a, it's a very ambitious story uh that you you took on the challenge and you know you landed it and uh so when are you going to do that story on Mike Goodwin and Mickey Thompson? Oh,
1: that is your story. That is
0: <laughs>
1: that is your story. You've been talking don't about it. I mean
0: to laugh, it. but that that, that is that is the elephant in the room.
1: Don't you have a cassette, right, or something? You have something from Goodwin. Uh, I don't know. Uh,
0: oh yeah, boy. Well, well this inspired me. Put it put it that way. You've inspired me. But yeah. uh, man, it's a good story. And thank and, you. Uh, thank you. Wow. I, uh, I I enjoyed working on it as much as as I think you did, and and. Uh, I hope I meet Eddie Hicks one day cuz I I interviewed him in 1984 for Cycling East but mm-hmm. that was yep. that was about it. Uh I was racing the East Coast in 85 when he was racing West Coast our paths never crossed. Yeah. And um I didn't he didn't race the Rudeal Cup in you know that year and yep. that was the one race I did out west and uh by the time that that I, I was doing regular stuff for Cycle News on the pro scene uh, he was he was already done, but guys like Kit Palmer and Nate Raba from Cyclone News, yeah r- remember fondly and, and can can think of specific photos they shot of him and like oh man what ha- whatever happened to him
1: thanks to I'm Nate like, for those photos he got us some really yeah, good photos
0: yeah. yeah and and Paul Buckley found some from southwick yeah uh, and and uh all those guys you know that was the cool thing everyone wanted to to pitch in, including me so uh yeah, yeah. well done steve oh, i 'm glad to be part of it.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks. Check it out in the magazine, the latest RacerX magazine, and uh, the full story online, Online dot com. Uh, thanks to Eddie. Thanks to everybody who contributed. Dave Miller and, and everybody uh, for helping me out. And Davey, of course, uh, you did a great job with with your edits and, and the way the things that you added. Because as you said, I was there, and uh, kind of beats me. <laughs> kind of beats me sitting in Canada for sure. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. A- and and uh, hey, the, the guy who illustrated uh, the online. Part. Uh, I don't know his name, but he did a fantastic job. And, you know, Chase and Andrew uh, got that done. And, and I yeah. think that was a big part of it because all the photos that we had, other than ones that Nate and Paul Buckley had, were literally out of motocross action or minicycle action. Yeah. yeah. So, and since we could not use those photos, <laughs> we just drew them instead. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Thanks to uh, flyracing.com, RacerX podcast, presented by Alpine Stars and Maxis. Thanks, DC. Thanks.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as
1: The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my
0: hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side, the tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends and
1: we've never talked since.
0: Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart,
1: I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled the and
0: I left. Every point counts and I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in pants. It's been no problem, my, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara.